0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to follow along through the message today, turn to the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter, verses 5 through 13. You already heard Wendell Thomas read that earlier in the service, and I'll be pointing us back to that in in just a few moments as we work through the passage together. Jesus had been praying in a certain place and his disciples observed that often. They saw him pray. They heard him pray. They attempted to pray with him. And if I were one of the disciples, I would have wanted to pray like him. Perhaps Jesus prayed like Daniel prayed three times a day on his knees in prayer. Or like David prayed evening, morning, and the noonday Jesus sometimes would disappear and the disciples would look around and only they to find him praying somewhere. For Jesus, prayer was import, as important as it was to breathe. This past week in vacation Bible school, we learned a whole lot about prayer. We prayed in worship. Not only at the beginning, but also over our offerings. We prayed through to God in our stations through the day. We learned a lot about prayer. One of the leaders came up to me after Vacation Bible School and said, Pastor Bob, one of the mornings in worship when Amanda called you to pray and you came up there, one of the children in my group said, Pastor Bob sure does pray a lot. (laughs) I don't know how to take that, but I take that to mean that we are emphasizing prayer here. I don't always feel like I pray the best. In fact, mostly I don't. Maybe you feel like that too. Sometimes my daughter teases me about the long, awkward silence during the pastoral prayer. But I think that silence is important Often the only place, sometimes people say, the only place that we experience a bit of silence is as we worship together. So if the, if the silence in prayer is a little awkward sometimes, that's okay. In Bible school on Friday, we learned that prayer is about talking with God. Yes, there's listening involved, but our point on Friday was that prayer is talking with God. I imagine that as the disciples watched Jesus, maybe they thought, why can't we pray like that? Maybe Peter said, you know, sometimes, guys, I get drowsy and I fall asleep when I'm praying. Or maybe John, one of the disciples, said, I wish I could remember the prayer requests that people give me. I see them in Sunday school and then I have to pray really quick so that I can remember that I prayed for them when I talk to them. Or maybe James said, I need some structure in my prayers. My mind wanders, and then I forget where I was. And maybe Matthew, the, who was the tax collector before he became a disciple, said, and I thought I was the only one who struggled with prayer. I'm really good with numbers and all that, but the prayer thing is really hard. So they agreed that they would ask Jesus for some help with praying. Luke writes that one of them went to Jesus to get his help. I don't know which one it was. If you know, tell me. But uh, at least they went. I don't know how they decided. One day in vacation Bible school, Miss Amanda taught us rock, paper, scissors and had a contest, and it was really fun. Maybe they did rock, paper, scissors to decide who would go to Jesus. Or maybe they used some other way like casting of lots which is kind of a bible way of helping to make decisions we don't know exactly how but one of them went to jesus and said lord teach us to pray just like john taught his disciples and then jesus taught them what to say he said when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come Give us each our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. If the words of that prayer are a little different than what you've memorized, this is the Luke version in chapter 11, in the early part of chapter 11. The version that we're perhaps more familiar with is in Matthew chapter 6. So it's good to read both of those accounts. But here one of the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And then he said, say this. I think it's really neat that the disciples weren't afraid to ask for help. Because they were bold enough to ask for help in their prayers, we have a model prayer to follow. Jesus simply told them what to say. If they got off track, they could remember what he had said and refocus. He taught them this model prayer he knew they needed because there would be times when they would face hardship and persecution and hunger and homelessness and despair, fear, and loneliness. He knew they would need strength and hope and boldness and power. He knew they would need wisdom and guidance and comfort, especially when they were afraid and sad. So Jesus used a parable to help them to understand how they could persist in their praying. If you remember from vacation Bible school, parables were earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Jesus told stories to help people to understand spiritual truth. This parable about the friend who comes in the midnight hour helped them to know that they could keep on praying no matter what they faced, even if the door was shut in front of them. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children, well, they are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, I love that, Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. A little context. Sometimes people would travel in the evening to avoid the heat of the day, so they arrived late. No matter when they arrived, one would always greet your guest with hospitality, food and drink, and washing of feet and a holy kiss. But sometimes without modern communications like we have now, you didn't really know when your guest would arrive, whether it would today or tomorrow or in another day or so. And in this particular parable, the guest arrives and the homeowner has nothing to offer. He would have been embarrassed because he did not have bread to offer his guests when he arrived thirsty and hungry. So he calls on a neighbor to help, banging on the door at the midnight hour. But to wake up one was to wake up all. If you have little ones at home, you know what it's like to get a knock on the door or a call on the phone after 7.30 p.m. It's not very pleasing. And in this culture, the house would have had one room and one door and one window, and all of the family would have retired in the evening, sleeping on their mats all around the floor together. And to wake up one was to wake up all. And the next door neighbor raps on the door and raps on the door and persists and wakes everyone up for three loaves of bread. We persist. On its surface, this parable does teach us a lesson on persistence. That if the neighbor bangs on the door hard and long enough, that the friend would respond. To put it in the terms of the divine, maybe. If we pray long and hard enough, then God will respond. I do believe that persistence is a way to understand this parable, persistence in prayer. Yes, that the disciples needed to develop the habit of habitual, of regular, ongoing, sustained prayer to help them in the time that was ahead. The spreading of the good news would certainly count on it. Their everyday lives would depend on it. But let me suggest, however, that this parable is more than a lesson in persistence in prayer. One scholar writes that it's a, perhaps it's a parable of contrast, a parable not about a God who is like a neighbor that we have to bang on until we finally get three begrudging loaves of bread, but a parable about a God who answers the door before we even knock. A parable about a God who knows our needs before we even ask. A God who answers us because God loves us, not out of some obligation. Luke's gospel is written primarily to a Gentile audience. He clearly shows Christ as one whose mission was to reach all people with the message of salvation of the good news. A message that was not limited to the Jewish people, but that was available for all people from all nations. And Gentiles, as we know, were largely from a pagan background. Thus, the concept of God would be out of their pagan background of how they understood these gods, little g. Gods who often were viewed as despising mere human mortals and who had to be bargained with or awakened from their sleep. The disciples needed to understand the context and the background of those they would be ministering to so that they could communicate to these people about a God who did not have to be awakened from sleep or bargained with. Perhaps Psalm 121 points to this. I look up unto the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then the psalmist says, our God does not slumber, nor does our God sleep. We don't have to wake God up. I believe that Jesus is telling the disciples what God is not so that they could understand who God really is. God is not a neighbor who reluctantly wakes up and gives us bread out of obligation. The God of Jesus Christ is a God who cares deeply for us so much so that he gave everything. As you heard from both of our young people who are baptized today, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In this model prayer, Jesus taught his disciples some important lessons. Another one is that prayer is depending on God. We learned that on Friday in Bible school too. In his model prayer, Jesus reminded the disciples that they could depend on their God for daily bread. It was God's nature to give. And he said that it's okay for us to ask for it. He reminded them that they would receive forgiveness from God if they simply asked for it. He reminded them that God would not lead them in the path of evil and temptation. It's not God's nature to do that. Depending on God would involve an ongoing, persistent prayer life, yes, but also would depend on a loving, benevolent, giving God. So, in the, in the passage where Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, maybe we can remember that as we pray. <clears throat> that those verbs in the Greek are ongoing actions, that we are to keep on asking, to keep on seeking. To keep on knocking, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and we will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Sometimes the things we ask for don't turn out exactly the way that we hope, but we keep asking. The things that we seek for may take a while, but we keep on seeking. And sometimes we just don't know exactly what to do, and we knock and knock and knock, praying that God would open a door that we are supposed to walk through. And until that door opens, we just continue to persist in our prayers. The ask prayer, ask, seek, and knock. And then a final thing we learned in Vacation Bible School is that prayer is about trusting that God will take care of you. This is just a An innocent, childlike faith that we have that we know that our God is good and that we can trust that God will take care of us. God may not give us all the good things we happen to ask for, but God is always ready to give us the best gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the guidance of God, the advocacy of God, the Holy Spirit who points us continually back on the path of the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ the gift of God's self. Jesus said in the parable, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake and said, nobody would do that. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Nobody would do that. Jesus is helping them to think this through. If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, hence the title of today's message, how much more will your Father in heaven give you, the Holy Spirit, for those who ask him? Another manuscript says if your child asks for a bread, who would give him a stone? If people who don't know God would in their being, know how to give something good. How much more does a loving and benevolent God desire to give us good gifts and give us the best gift, the the Holy Spirit, to those who ask Him? How much more? How much more? Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever possibly ask for imagine according to His power that is at work within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And the people said, Amen. Let's bow together. God, thank you for the good news that we worship a living, loving God. that we don't have to try to wear you down and weaken you so that you'll answer our prayers. Thank you that we don't have a God that we have to wake up from asleep. We are thankful that we have an active God who is always with us. understands every aspect of human suffering, a God who lives, a God who is intimately involved in our lives. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for or how to pray, and we're glad that we have help here in the Scripture and from your Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf when our words often come up short. This life is hard. It's hard enough to navigate as a Christian, doubly difficult when we don't have a faith to fall back on. So God today, As we seek decisions spiritually, emotional and physical, decisions for each of our lives, we pray that you would hear our prayer and direct our path. Show us the way.